0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 181 with my guest Travis Roberts. Travis is the band captain of Kassam Steel Orchestra in Brooklyn, and he's one of the founding members of Brooklyn Steel Orchestra, which is uh, how I met Travis. Um, I really enjoy talking with Travis. I, I don't get to talk with him much during Panorama season because you know he's busting his butt moving racks and organizing the band and getting things ready for competition, but... He's very passionate about education, uh, and he lays out the sort of educational uh, program for Cassim Steel Orchestra in this podcast. It's really fascinating, and I think it could serve as a great template for other organizations um, looking to um, set up some sort of program to lead towards a more professional band uh, at the end of the program. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is Travis Roberts. Take care. Um, but uh, Travis Roberts I appreciate you doing this you're somebody uh, who I have you know I've known for a while in, in several different circumstances but you know you are you are sort of a mover shaker in the pan scene in Brooklyn um, other places as well but Brooklyn in particular you are the band leader of Cast Some Steel Orchestra and that's how I met you actually I met you first I think through BSO um, in 2015 and um, we can get into all that stuff, but I kind of want to back up a little bit to like baby Travis and have you sort of just give me the nickel and dime tour of Travis Roberts and sort of what got you into Pan and that sort of stuff. So if you wouldn't mind, start wherever you'd like, but uh, we'll go from there and wherever the conversation goes is where it goes.
1: Okay. So I'm from the island of St. Wilson and the Grand Deans. Um My father, which your name, is Shaggy, Edison Shaggy John. There's a picture, but you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. He's um, actually a famous um, mass leader in Saint Vincent from in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and into the '90s. He had a band called Bad Lads and Lasses.
0: Bad, bad what?
1: Bad lads bad and lasses.
0: Bad <laughs> lads and lasses. Okay, can you just explain real quick what mass is, just for folks who don't have any idea what it is?
1: Sure, basically it's is um a mass band. is um we used to cost the, the people that who made the costumes uh, for the carnival. So you see all those um people with the different costumes uh, parading on carnival Monday and Tuesday. That's the um what's ma- basically what the masses. Or like mass mas- yes.
0: A masquer like a masquerade. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So yeah, he that in in the islands, you know, they have different um For carnival, they have mass bands, steel bands, and so he was the leader of a mass band.
0: The mass, the mass bands. I mean, am I wrong? Like, it feels to me, I am biased because I am a steel drummer, and so are you. But like, I feel like every time I go to like Trinidad, for example, or even Brooklyn Panorama or or Carnival, where I am like, you know, yeah, Panorama, Panorama, and then Panorama ends, and then everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, great, Moss is here. Like, I feel like, like Moss is is Moss. Am I misreading that Moss might be like sort of a it, it carries more weight, it seems to me, in the Caribbean community than, say, Panorama. Am I misreading that?
1: No, you're right. It is. it does. So, because mass is like, um, traditionally, that's where everybody comes together and um, per- and have the parade. That's where it originally from. The mass was um, the parade part of it. And mm-hmm. the steel band, is just came, came out, um, accompanied with a music part of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So before before steel band, they still always had masks, the masqueraders. Um, so the steel band is just a part of the music part that come came 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 about to accommodate come, come they, you know, the mask the mask the masqueraders.
0: Mm-hmm. So like so music's yeah. like like tamboo bamboo and and right. bottle and spoon and things like that were were precursors, but they were all under the umbrella of carnival. Carnival, yeah, okay,
1: right, yeah. So basically, most and uh, more people participate in masks than steel band mm-hmm. because anybody could participate in masks once you pay for your costume and you go out on the road and just enjoy yourself and have a good time. <laughs>
0: like I'm a sailor this year, or I'm a peacock, or I'm a you know right. a scarlet ibis, or whatever the theme is for your particular camp. Like, and they all dress the same, or it's like you know, uh, right? They have like, different
1: sections. They have different sections.
0: What do you mean, so different know, different so sections?
1: mass like a mass band will have a different um, team every year. So <clears> like <throat> if, if they play in colors, so you have a blue, uh, blue section, mm-hmm. a red section, a green section, or whatever, mm. and that's how it basically, in a nutshell, what it is. So you have a team, and then you have sections within that team, like say colors you play. So you play red, blue, green, or whatever the case would be. Oh, sorry, the camera's in my my eye. <laughs> that's <all> right. <laughs> For camera, yeah. So that's how the mass is. So my father was um, a mass a designer for years. in St. Vincent, as I said, his band was called "Bad Lads and Lasses." Mm-hmm. So the, the lads is the, ma- 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 the, the, the the male, and the lasses is the female. Mm-hmm. So kind of bad lads and lasses. I don't know how to. <laughs> so it was a famous mass band back in St. Vincent. So when I grew up, I came up in the mass um, arena. I even started um, designing my own costume, which I played at Junior King, and I won a few times playing Junior King. I played um, King in the band also, but um, how I got into Pan was, um, they introduced Pan into um school I was going to, mm-hmm. they introduced Pan, and I said, ah, let me try this, and I Started playing fine and that was the end of it. I got
0: hooked. <laughs> well, it, 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 as you're describing your father, like your father's artistic leanings, and just being a designer, like somebody who has an artistic, you know, in in the steel band world, at least in my, in my experience, the steel band world, there are everybody has a role, you know, right. somebody, somebody's, somebody may put it, you know. I think I've seen like Arisha John put as much passion into the way the racks look that Ken Kendall puts into the way the arrangement sounds. You know, like and so everybody has that role. It's it's actually making way more sense to me that you like design t shirts and you make your own sticks and you do all these things because your dad like that's what your dad did, you know. I mean my dad's my dad sold soda pop for a living. I don't sell soda pop, but like there you know, you are it you make a lot more sense to me now that you're describing you right, know. so how
1: that aspect? Yeah, I guess think it wasn't for was me now.
0: Right, right. Well, and and the as your like, how did your dad? I'm sorry, I'm like, this isn't a podcast about your dad, but I'm I'm very curious about this moss thing. Like, how did your how does your dad or how did your dad's camp Lads and lasses? How did they decide on a theme every year?
1: Well, it actually was him. He he uh, he come up with the idea, and um he'll, like, he like he did a lot of like. um they call it like Greek stuff, um, Indian stuff. Like they have Indian masks, mm. or they have um, they, they Greeks. It,
0: Greek stuff.
1: Yeah, like Greek, like Greek, um, Greek his- history.
0: Mm-mm-mm. Got it. Okay, because like a lot of the mask like it, like the sailors and um, uh, right. like the, the 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 coating yourself in oil. Like a lot of the stuff comes from like local history. Like you're, you're commenting on something because, you know, you're dressing like a sailor because the U S government, you know, the U S military was in Trinidad, for example, there was a lot of like naval bases in the Caribbean. So like you're, you're reacting to what's in, in your society. And so your dad was making similar choices, I assume.
1: Right. Yes, basically. And then he will just, um, create different sections or different part of that particular history and come up with the, um, the ideas of the um, different sections. And he did the, the drawing, everything. Hmm. So he did everything.
0: <laughs> were there? Were there? I mean, in the United States, there's the sort of. I mean, this is a bad analogy, but w- would you? Would he take anything and sort of take the historical context and sort of flip it on its head to sort of uh, make fun of something that's going on? Like in like it. Like sometimes there's civil war reenactments in the United States, and the right. South will win. Like they'll make it up. They'll be like, "We won," and you're just like, "Come on now." But like, you know, I know, and this is that's that's a terrible analogy. But like in Trinidad, I know like innuendo is a big thing, or in calypso calypso music in general. Like, do moss camps choose something to sort of reinterpret history, or reinterpret the way society is is dealing with things?
1: They do. Wait, hold on one second. Yeah. yeah.
2: the look
1: like it's there again, yeah, Okay. Yeah, it don't last long. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I did find out. Yeah, you you know.
1: though. I tried to hide. I very much like. I'm back. <laughs> okay. Sorry what I my um my neighbor moved my car to me. I have three cars.
0: <laughs> oh my god, Travis. Um
1: and
0: came and moved oh, nice, the
2: right.
0: nice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Let's pick up where we left off. I was just, uh, you know, did, did your dad was your dad fascinated by any particular part of St. Vincent history? Where you know, when he was choosing themes for the mass, like was was he was he choosing particular themes every year because he was really interested in something particular? Um, well, not really
1: more um, St. Vincent history, but more um, like he did a lot of like, you call it, the Aztecs. Mm. South America Indians and mm. past the Mayas and stuff like that He'll use a lot of their culture and their history and create um different teams um some of the what legend of the Kukumaka was one of them I'm not too
2: sure
1: that's like so I remember what it's called Legend of the kucumaka mm. to do something with ancient um well, the South American Indians and stuff like that. Yeah. So that he he got a lot of he like he liked a lot of those kind of masks, a oh, lot of okay. those kind of um, cultural things.
0: Okay, well, and so let's let's you get into like you you get your first experience, your first taste of of steel pan, and yeah. you say that you're you're hooked. So like, what? How old were you at this time?
1: I was about ten. Wow. Yeah, I was about ten. Around 10. So, yeah, as I said, um, they introduced a, a band in St. called Potential Steel Orchestra. Mm-hmm. They um, introduced uh, a pan program in my school that I was going to at that time. And I went, I, they asked volunteer, and I was one of the volunteers mm. to volunteer to the, um, to the fan program. And I went and I started playing, and I actually liked it a lot. So what happened was they um, in, invite some of the players them who as part of the fan program to come and play for their um, their their big side for Panorama. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to do it also, and there was like um, they lit this base in a part of the called Kaliopua, which is like maybe a half an hour drive from my house, mm-hmm. which I was living in Kingston, in, that's the capital. Mm-hmm. So a half an hour van drive then. And <laughs> it was funny. So I was about 10, 11 of, at that time. Imagine that. I used to travel <laughs> from um, my 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 tongue to Calico, which is half an hour on the van. And I'm I, I'm, I'm 10. <laughs> So you might do
0: that. Wait, and it's with who? By not by yourself. By myself. <laughs> Wait, who was driving the van? Uh, who was driving the van?
1: Um, it was a, a, a commercial van,
0: just so like, a, was, like a like a like a maxi taxi sort of thing. Like
1: A maxi taxi, yeah.
0: Oh my god, Travis!
1: I, I know. So and you I mean, survived. You made it, it out okay.
0: It. <laughs> you turned out to be an okay guy.
1: Yeah. So I used to do this all um, for when had the Panama rehearsal. I used to do like it, you know every day like how we do here. Mm-hmm. My grandmother it was funny when she like you can't you couldn't find a, a pan side close to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's the one that you know I started what, with the
0: the word. I mean, potential is like what? Where does that that name come from? Because it I, it's been you know isn't there? There's other orchestras named Potential Symphony. Like yeah, the,
2: there's,
1: there's a Potential seal Orchestra in um in Trinidad also.
0: Is it from a... I know a lot of the names, like, come from movies and different sort of things. Like, where does that come from?
1: You know what? I am not sure. Okay. I'm not sure of the history. I just know the name the Na- was Potential Steel Orchestra.
0: And were... Th- was there any relationship between... Like, was there anybody in St. Vincent Potential that had a relationship with any of the band... Like, the band in Trinidad? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because I know that's... I mean, the relationships yeah. between Trini bands and Brooklyn bands, there there's usually some some connection, but... Um,
1: yeah, I guess they would just happen to pick the same name. And I don't okay. know. <laughs> All right,
0: okay. And and so, like, when did you when did you move from Saint Vincent? Well, sorry, let's let's before we get there. Like, so this is you're ten years old. Like, what did you continue playing pan through high school? Like, what was your study? What was yeah, your musical I, studies I, like?
1: I, right. So I, I did continue playing um, pan through high school, and also when they um, had it when we had Carnival, I played for potential for Panorama. Maybe two or three years after that, and then in 1990, I my mom decided to bring me up to the United States to live with her because she was already living here for a couple of years,
2: mm.
1: and she wanted me to come up to live with her. I actually didn't want to come.
2: Why? Why?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I had, you know I was close to my father, and I liked my environment. I was in it. to come to something new. I was like, ah, uh, I didn't want to do that. Mm. But. You know, you have to do it the way parents said. So yeah. I ended up moving to the United States.
0: And did I you move to straight Brooklyn. to Brooklyn? Where did you move to?
1: Yeah, straight to Brooklyn. Okay. Straight to Brooklyn. And then I went to a school called Prospect Heights High School, mm-hmm. which was uh, really crazy because it's the same simula- same situation. Like when I was back home with a, um, a, a steel orchestra came into my school and started a program. Casim came into Prospect Heights mm. and <laughs> okay. started a, a pan program in the after-school program. And I was like, "Oh, I could continue playing pan." Mm-hmm.
0: Who was running Casim so, at the time?
1: That was um, well, Mr. William Jones was there, but Alan Herbert was um, the musical director then, and he used to come and teach at Prospect Heights. So that's when I first joined, met. Kasim and joined Kasim in 1991.
0: What were the after-school programs like? Like when you would, so school would be finished, right? Your last period right. would end or whatever. Then what would you? Was it during school or was it after school that you would go in? After and,
1: school, it was. It started around either three or three
0: thirty. And what was so, the pedagogy like? Like what were you doing? Like what 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 kind of stuff were you studying when you were going to these these classes?
1: The the class or the, the um.
0: Band class, sorry, yeah, yeah. The after-school oh, program, the casting. Like, how, how was the, the teaching structured? I'm just really curious.
1: Oh, well, I mean, it was like what we do right now, actually. They, um, it's like a band, basically. So it was like um, you come in, and they teach you how to play the, the ten, the five, the double seconds, the guitar, and it was like you're practicing like you're in a band, basically.
0: And would you play one instrument, or would you switch around?
1: One instrument at, at that point. It was only playing one instrument. So you playing tenor, you're playing tenor. you playing double seconds, you're playing double seconds. Second. And, and I, was a, I was a tenor player, so I ended up playing the
0: tenor. And were you... Was 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 there, like, sheet music reading? Or was it all rote? Or was it both? Like, how how was that taught? No,
1: it wasn't sheet music reading and then. Okay. But um at that point, it wasn't sheet music. It was just, like, the traditional, you mm-hmm. know, you, the teacher, the scales. Right. Um... How to hold the and how to play play different songs on the instrument. So, it was the traditional way of how a steel band originally um, had
0: had it. And is it still like? Do, does Casm still do after school programs now? Yes, we do. And how? And is it? Do you still do, do it all, all by road? Yes, we do the
1: same way.
0: <laughs> okay, and I mean, I'm not no, I'm no. I'm not asking because I have an agenda. I'm I'm just really curious. Uh, you know, t- yeah. Ha- teaching at NYU, the. <clears throat> You know the traditional Western classical like you know when I was in fifth grade, I was given a no I wasn't given a drum. I chose to play drums, I purchased my drum, I sit down with my snare drum, and then before anybody shows me anything there's a there's a you know a piece of paper that gets put in front of me, you know right. and before I've made a sound, they're like, okay, this is four you know four bars, four beats per bar, this is four right. and, and like we go through all the reading off of a piece of paper was prioritized over feel Actual or any, anything yeah i'm right. there's no value judgment i'm just calling balls and strikes that's like my experience it's interesting to me that there's also large swaths of the population in the united states that for whom that is flipped where right, like right. not that music reading isn't important at all but it's like when you're starting you start off with feel how does it feel how how do you hear it like all of those things and i'm curious if like do you all talk about like, what is the arguments within the pan community, or at least within your community, about sheet music reading versus rote teaching, all of that stuff?
1: So, I mean, we do do sheet music reading. So we uh, we when we start, we teach them um, how to play, like how to hold the stakes, mm-hmm. different instruments, and stuff like that. But within that, we try to also incorporate, like, music theory also. Mm. So you get the basic, like, what's a staff, what's a, a treble clef. The same thing with four four beats and all that. So we give them that that also within also teaching them how to play the instrument mm-hmm. So, So but we don't really focus on that, but we give them that, that bass. So at least they have some kind of music, um theory, um knowledge.
0: Right. And do you feel like uh, within the the KASM, like within the program that you're running now, does how does that affect the way the panorama band sounds when you all get together like if someone stays in that program from the beginning to the end like what what is your goal with that program so you like the end result is panorama in terms right. of like the large band then you have stage side what is the like what's your mission statement with the after school program why why are you aside actually you tell me why are <laughs> what does it do what's the point
1: so i mean the after school program it helps um build um Introduce a lot of the young people to the, in the instrument. You know, mm-hmm. it also helps build their character. It also helps um, know know what the culture about, what the instrument about, mm. and then you get players from that. Because there is some will stay, and some will not stay. Mm-hmm. Because some will gravitate to it and say, "Okay, they want to be continue being a fan player." And then some people just do it for because it's just there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having the program, I, I see a lot of um, students come in and, and leave, but there's a lot who stick, stick around and then become part of our program, our, mm-hmm. our band itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like our classes that we have, our casting classes, we get a lot of our players through that, our, our system. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always, we basically, you know, grow our own kids from we have, we have a class one, Class 2, and then you graduate to the stateside. That's how, how oh, we've been doing, okay. it, doing it for four years now. So when you come into our program, you go into class one day when you're fresh, you don't know anything about PAN. We teach everything about the PAN. So you're there for a year, and you we have a Christmas concert and a spring concert. So you get to learn how to actually uh, perform mm. also. Mm. And then you might stay there for next year, whether you move up to Class 2, and then class two now is our holding limb cell, actually, i kind of call it. Because some people have been class two for maybe two, three years before they even move up to stateside. Mm. Because I always say side is a different animal. Once you hit stateside, there's no more spoon um, feeding. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. So you got to hold your own there. So this is why we use that class to groom you. Every time a lot of our players reach to that performing thing, they are... They've been playing for maybe two, three, four years, right. and actually pretty good. So that's our system we've been using, which been working for us. So that's why when you see a lot of our um, panorama, panorama players or stateside like players play, they you know they look like they've been doing it for a long time, and it's been working for us. It's, and and that's how we actually get players, and don't have to worry about getting. Um, getting a player from this band or that band or whatever, mm-hmm. we just make our own players.
0: It's like your own <laughs> your own farm team.
1: Basically, yes. yeah. I always tell I always tell them is we are like a revolving door. So you know, once set of players come in, they there for a couple of years or whatever. They get too big, they get old, they move on to college, they get family, and they go somewhere else. And next they coming. So mm-hmm. it's always a rotation of you know players just coming in and out, in
0: and out. Well, I noticed that. I mean, about. I ask about it in particular to chasm because I mean, I know that you, you all aren't the only band in Brooklyn that has after school program or does stuff with students, but you're one of the few that have been doing it for a long time. And you like, it's, it's a part of your thing. Like, and it, it, then I, you know, it radiates out to your panorama band. And so like, I just want to sort of highlight it again, just for students who are watching this or teachers who are running their own band somewhere. Like, you're not going to do this overnight. Caston did that. You know, Travis has been doing this for 30 years for God's <laughs> sakes, you know? So, um, I want to ask you when you mentioned like you teach the culture, um, one of the things that, uh, I think for me has been one of the, like, I don't want to say aha moments, but the more, you know, a community, the more, unique each person in the community becomes to you like and when I look at the steel band community when I you know 20 you know 2001 when I first went to Trinidad and I look at a panorama band it all looks like it's like wow that's a thing and then the older I get especially you go to Brooklyn especially Kasim is not a Trinidadian band no (laughs) no I mean it's run by somebody from St. Vincent you know and but so like the older I get I'm like oh my god how do you teach a culture you know, this is the existential crisis I'm having at NYU a little bit is like, even though Kendall's helping me there now, and that's been a godsend, but like, how do you teach a culture w- in which there's 300 different cultures? <laughs> you know, like, how do you, how do you, you have somebody from, Bar- from, you know, Dominican Republic or Haiti um, or Barbados or the Grenadines, like, you you know, those are different places. Like, how do you, how do you handle that?
1: Well I mean in every culture is different, of course, but we all we all we all are human mm-hmm. and we all have a love for the instrument and I think that's what bring us together music you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so mm-hmm. outside of the um our different our differences in our different culture in Brooklyn it is a melting pot of so much different culture that fused together that we Kind of all understand our, our, our everybody culture a little. You mm. know, we and we all basically kind of the same. We just came from, come from different um, islands. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, we, even though we come from different islands, we basically do the same thing. We love the same food, music, same thing, <laughs> especially in Brooklyn because everybody I'm from St. Vincent, you might be from Jamaica, you might be from wherever, mm. but we all interact in the same community. So, we get to see how people from St. Vincent like certain stuff or act certain way. Mm-hmm. Same thing from um, Jamaica or whatever. And we all, you know, you use a little of each to come together and make it Brooklyn. That's how I see it. Because if you're from, say, St. Vincent, you will just understand St. Vincent culture or Trinidad culture. Right. And you know, you're in, you're in the island, but in Brooklyn, is a different di- diaspora. So, differences like. It just different. <laughs> well, it's an, it's
0: I mean, I, it's interesting to me. I mean, a, I, I grew up in Ohio and there's a weird, you know, there is a pride of place. Like I am, when I was growing up, it's like being from very rural town in Ohio. Like it's a, it was a close knit community. So like, I, I understand what that, that is, but like, you know, at Panorama this past year, down in Trinidad, um, three of the guys that I'm in the group that are in the group I'm in. So percussion played and, one of the, the, the guys in front of them, uh, his name, um, his name is Slip Emerald and Emerald, he's playing lead pan right as soon as it's done. When we're in Trinidad, the first thing he does is whip out his Grenada flag and start waving it around. You know, he's right in the front line of Panorama in Trinidad, you know. And so, yes, there is the shared culture. There is the sort of everybody's overlapped enough where you can sort of everybody can get along on a common ground. But there right. is this this. There's a very unique expression of pride, right? You
1: still you still have a pride of what where you come from,
0: but in particular in the com- Caribbean community, that's the thing that over the last you know 15 years of me having experiences is like, man, this isn't like there's <laughs> there's like 15,000 different versions of pride all happening at the same in the same at the same time, and everybody's free to express it in their own way. Like I, right. I I don't I don't know. I'm asking this as a white guy from a cornfield in Ohio, like. I don't know if there's a way to explain that to me, but like, it's just an observation I've had, and I, I'm jealous of it because I don't like I don't walk around swinging, at, you know, f- waving an Ohio flag. I mean, I wear Cleveland hats all the time, but like, that's about as prideful.
1: There, there you go. That's a, that's a part of <laughs> that's, that, I guess, that. I, guess I guess you're
0: right. Okay, all right, fair enough. You know, that's my Barbados flag is is yeah, you know or whatever. A
1: Cleveland, a Cleveland hat.
0: <laughs> but it, it is something in the com- in the community. Like, is that is that something that's sort of consciously talked about or is it just something that's built into the day-to-day life from when you're a kid?
1: I, I think it's just something built in. It's like a part, of, a part of where you're originally from. So if you're from Trinidad, you know, you have that, you want to be like, rep, rep, say, you know, I'm a Trinidadian." all oh, I'm living in the United States. So here. Mm-hmm. Uh, from St. Vincent, I have my vintage flag. It's a part of where you're from. So, you know, you still want to represent your, where you're from. And even though you live in, in Brooklyn, I've been living here from since I was like fourteen, till now I'm forty-five. <laughs> so a long time. Mm-hmm. So um I but I still recognize I'm f i am originally born from born in St. and although I lived here most of my life. Mm-hmm. I only lived in St. for 14 years of my life, but I originally where I'm from it from yeah. St. Vincent, and I still have that pride and where I'm from. And I want to make, know, let people know I'm from
2: St. Vincent, you know? So it's
1: a part of pride, too. And same way I'm from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I, love Bro- I
0: love Brooklyn. <laughs> well, I live in Manchester, Connecticut right now, but I don't have a desire to put on, like, a Manchester <laughs> T-shirt or anything. I'm not from here. I've only been here for a year. But, well, like, is there anything in particular to St. – like, when you when we talk about, like, you're your, uh, your proud of where you came from, is there anything in particular that St. Vincent – like, let's take St. Vincent out of the islands. Like, let's just pretend it never existed. Is there anything in the culture, in the community that I would notice would be like, oh, man, I didn't realize that that was a specifically St. Vincent contribution?
1: Um. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, I mean, I'm like Kevin Little, everybody knows Kevin Little.
0: I don't know. I mean don't assume that. What Kevin Little? Kevin Little.
1: <laughs> Who sang Turn Me On.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: Who sang Turn Me On. Okay. Right. I'm uh, like Problem Child, Skinny uh, Fabulous. So we have a lot of um up and coming known you mm. that um been influencing the the soccer scene for the last couple of years. Is that right? Uh, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize. Well, yeah, in like the soccer scene, a lot of the... Um, like as I said, um, Kevin Little, Skinny Fabulous, um, What's Problem Child, these guys been writing actually for a lot of those um, Trinidadian artists that you hear. They write a lot of songs that you hear and it's popular and a lot of people don't know that. And they also do their own, own stuff also. So we... Have a, a big contribution to like the soca scene too.
0: Is there something? I mean, uh, pardon my ignorance, but why? What is specific? Like, why is there so much good songwriting coming out of Saint Vincent?
1: Um,
0: just talented. <laughs> well, I'm. I mean, again, like I'm asking out of ignorance here. I mean, you can look at different parts of you know. You look at George Gershwin, for example. Like, you know working uh-huh. on Tin Pan Alley. Like, there he had a job. His job was to like literally go every day, shut himself in a room, and be like. Let's write another song, you know? And it's like, yeah, so it became a job. And now you have, like, Broadway. You know, Broadway was just, Tin Pan Alley was just pumping out songs, you know? And I'm curious, like, I'm not saying you need to have an answer for me, but it's interesting to me why certain, why do certain islands have a, like, a big weed that, like, grows up through the cement, and and it doesn't happen elsewhere. Like, that's what I'm curious about.
1: I guess because some of these guys have a drive for, like creating you know, great music. And like um, Skinny fathers for instance, he's he been um, doing this for a long time. And I know it's like, I guess he's he been popular. he have been getting popular within the trend and seeing the soca scene. So mm. it's like a lot of stuff he put out, maybe like if he wasn't that popular, he wouldn't get heard.
2: Mm.
1: But because of his reputation over the last couple of years and doing you know, winning Soko Monaco and stuff like that, and so mm. they take him more seriously now. So, whatever he put out, they're like, okay, it's good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean- they, he might be putting out good stuff before, but you know, you know what? You know, when you're not popular, even though you put out stuff, they don't, sometimes people don't really take you seriously, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not until you're dead that people give a crap about.
1: I'd be like, oh my god, this is the greatest <laughs> yeah. thing ever. Like, you've been doing it for the years. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you. You, know, uh, you also you run now. You run Castle Steel Orchestra. That I mean, you. That's your. Your one of your professions is to be at the top of that that food chain and sort of overseeing what happens with the organization. Can you just talk to me a little bit about what is it? What is? What are the stresses that come with? running a band that maybe some folks in your stage side or come through class. Let's assume I join the band and you're like, Oh yeah, you're definitely class one. And like, what am I not seeing? What, what's the, well, how's the sausage made Travis? That's how I, that's how I, that's kind of the question I want to, I want to ask. Cause a lot of people come to Panorama. I see you and I'm, I'm only tangentially related to Cassim and that I help Kendall with his music, but I don't see you every day during, right. during the season. I mean, but I do know that you're doing a shitload of work <laughs> and not sleeping for weeks on end. So can you just, why, why did, why would anyone want to run Why do you want to run a large steel band in Brooklyn? What's wrong <laughs> with you, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't
2: know. Um, again, I think it's just a passion
1: I have of, of, of and I think it comes come from my father. He mm. was a, a mass, um, the leader of a mass band. And for some reason, every position or every organization I get involved with, somehow they just want to push me to be the, the leader. Half the time, I don't want to be leader. I just want to play.
0: <laughs> well, you need to be more honest with them then. And st- stop saying yes.
1: <laughs> so I just want to play. But... Uh,
0: Practice it with knows, me, Travis. Say knows, the word no. Say it with me. No.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yes. Running a, um, a Balex Lakes casting actually is a lot of work. Um, because from just getting the racks, the pan, the tuna, the player, the ranger, uniform, welding, trucks, <laughs> what. Well, Play- practice
0: space break down for me a little bit of the ecosystem like if you were to to do the like you know the the sort of radiating out the concentric circles of an organization like there's uh, I don't want to say that you're the most important person in the organization but let's say let's put you at the center like all roads lead to Travis and decision no there's obviously committee you're not the only you're not the dictator of the group but like talk to me a little bit about how does that organization how is it structured so, like, you're the band captain, is that correct?
1: Well, I'm the manager. The
0: manager, band. okay.
1: Yeah. So then there's a manager, there's a captain, and then there's section leaders, of course. Um, so everything basically runs through me. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, and then I have to make sure everybody is doing their particular job, per se.
0: Um... Well, so like, sorry, just, I'm going to, I'll drill down here a little bit. You have manager, then you're, you know, there's captain section of yours. Those are sort of like, in terms of managing personnel, that's the sort of the first three in the pecking order. But like what, what, um, there's costumes, there's decorations, there's tuning, Mm -hmm. like I'm just listing off some things. There's the arranger, like you're hiring all these people. These aren't like just your friends showing up to do things because they love pan. Like, you have to negotiate fees with them, I'm assuming, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, it's a business. Sorry, I'm just like saying things out loud because you're you run just like, you know, Google runs. You have employees that you have to pay. Like you're a non profit. I mean Google's not a non profit, but are you a <laughs> you're a five oh one C three, is that correct?
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: Yeah. So like I I just wanna sort of I want I want this to be said because I think a lot of people look at a panorama band and they think it's like a pickup group. No,
1: there's a lot of work. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people I had to deal with the welders, the arrangers, uh, the
0: tuners. Why Why do you need a welder?
1: Um, because every year the rocks them need some kind of tacking or you know the break over the winter because we we have to store them outside.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: the weather or pushing them up to the, the museum, they get break, lose a wheel here and there. So you need a welder every year to um basically just tack back up. So wheels, which I'm the weller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> twenty twenty is tough budget times this 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 year. Travis. Okay. Well, well, who pays? Who pays? How does the band raise funds? Who pays for all this?
1: So we raise funds by either having um, we have some dedicated parents in our organization,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they have a kitchen crew. We call them. Yeah. So normally have them. They sell food, drinks, and stuff like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, while we practice. So that's. One major where we actually raise funds to um, offset
0: a lot of the costs that we have. And do you apply for government grants and things like that as well?
1: We do apply for um, government grants, but we use that grant mostly mostly to run our uh, hand program through the year.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: And we have workers so that we pay um, to teach. So that's what we use the grants then for.
0: Uh, Okay. And are there grants for Panorama specific? Like, are you able to get grants or is that a, is it just trickier because it's not like an educational thing? It actually
1: is an educational thing, but we don't get grants for that. Uh, Oh, You know, uh, we don't know how to apply ourselves to get it,
0: right yet, at least. Okay. Well, as a side note, Travis, Mm -hmm. I can help you with that. I have a tiny amount of experience and (laughs) and the group I'm in does apply for a lot of grants for various programs and touring and things like that. So if you ever want to just have other eyes on your grants or just advice on that stuff. Uh, one of the guys in, and so Eric, he writes all of our, he's amazing at it. And like, anyway, let's do that. You should be doing that. And we can, you know, we, I can certainly do, you know, be an ear for you if you need it. So, um, but like what, so is there a cash prize when let's say Kasim goes to Panorama? Yeah. In, so in normally,
1: uh, so as uh, Wideka, the Western Indian American called, they run a panorama, a competition called Panorama, mm-hmm. which happens Saturday, Labor Day, and the cash prize is a twenty thousand dollars for first place. I think it's sixteen thousand for second, mm-hmm. and then ten for third, and then everybody else got get um, appearance fee, which is forty five hundred dollars.
0: Got it. And if you win, do you get the forty five hundred? Like, so you win the twenty twenty? No, so if you
1: win, you get twenty thousand dollars
0: flat. You don't get the twenty four five.
1: The forty five hundred. Yeah. No, you don't. You are supposed to.
0: <laughs> Aha. Okay, that's another podcast we can talk about. wide it Yeah. Another. are another...
1: supposed to. We used to get, and then they change, and then somehow that extra forty five disappears.
0: <laughs> well, so what? What is the total? Like at the end of Panorama, when like let's say you know Labor Day's over, September hits, and you finally have like a day and a half to breathe before school starts up. Like, what is the bill? What's the total cost? to cast some steel orchestra for panorama starting in July or whenever it is that you start up or June.
1: It's probably 20,000 dollars or more.
0: That includes rent rent for your, the, the, the parking lot where you rehearse, like all that stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. Truck rental uniform, um, arrangers, tuners, new pans.
0: (laughs) So we're looking at if, sorry, I'm just doing some napkin math here. So like you have Mm -hmm. to win to break even.
1: Yes, basically.
0: And if you don't break even, you have to sell a hell of a lot of curry. There you go. During just rehearsals, me. which is just like, objectively speaking, not going to cover the cost of running a panorama band. No. Correct?
1: Brooklyn, we do this for fun, really and truly. Yeah. Well, it, really, we, we, it needs to change, but right now we're just doing it for fun because the money that we get really cannot cover
0: all the manpower and all the time we put in. Well, I I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you that it's for the love of the game. Everything we do is for the love of the game. Like Even the things that I get paid to do, I love. Right. But like I'm trying every day of my life, I wake up and I try to figure out how can I get paid a shitload of money to only do the things I love? <laughs> and, and Travis, <laughs> if we can figure out a way to get you paid a shitload of money to do this thing you love, then you can love it and get paid a shitload of money. Exactly. And that's what, that's why I was saying the thing about the grants like I don't have the answers for the grants, but all I know is that like there's a million different avenues in, and once you get plugged into one and they see what trust me when they see what Kasim's doing like doors will swing open it's just a matter of you know knowing which doors to knock on yeah, and
2: exactly.
0: Um, well, Travis, this has been really—I mean, I'm, I don't know if this has been fun for you, but it's been really fun for me. I—I I really have enjoyed picking your brain here. I'm—I'm um, I'm curious, like, what just to sort of wrap it up. Where? Well, first of all, Travis, you—you you got and you got hit by a car this past week, and <laughs> yeah. you are on the mend. So I just wanted people listening to know that you are going above and the beyond the call of duty here by by doing this podcast with your crutch. My
1: crutch, <laughs> I might put. The-
0: What do you, like, if you had all the control in the world, you had all the money in the world, there were no barriers in your way, what would be the thing, you know, we're all stuck inside, we're all dealing with a pandemic, we're all dealing with economies doing this every day, like, eventually we'll come out the other side of this, but there's a lot of unknowns if you could control everything and when things open back up officially, you know, everybody's back, what would you want to change about the steel pan world, um, the culture, the approach, all of that stuff? What What are some fundamental changes you feel like need to happen in order to really shoot out of the gates um, pointed in the right direction?
1: Um, well, definitely I think all the bands them because I'm not only for passing. That's a lot of people don't realize because I'm also... The vice pres. Right now, I'm the vice president of the United States Steel Band Association.
0: Mm, I did not know that.
1: Yes, I am. So that's one thing. I am also the president of BSO. You mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, see how I have a ton of different hats. <laughs> but I, for me, I always everybody always say you have to focus on your band particular, but I don't see it like that. I mm. see like if everybody. If, if all the bands are successful, it's a win for everybody. That's mm-hmm. how I see it. I never really want to focus on only casting, casting, casting. Mm-hmm. Casting yes, it's my band, but I also want to see Despers, Rados, um, Pace or Pantonics, all those bands, you know, succeed. And if we somehow could get some grants or whatever to help the bands, them find, get new instruments, proper practice space and stuff like that, I think... Overall, we will be much more better off, and actually, will it make it easier now to help us carry this uh, our our culture even further than what it is right now? So, because we have a lot of limitations that stopping us from you know, doing certain stuff that we want to do, but because of funding and proper practice space and stuff like that, that we can't, you know, we it taking us longer to get there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if we, if we had all these resources that um, we w- was able to um, you know, utilize, everything will move much quicker and all the bands will be much more successful in uh, what we're doing and trying to accomplish.
0: Hmm. And, I mean, it's one of the things I've noticed uh, just since 2015 seeing VSO. And, like, there is a, there's a, an undercurrent or there's a current of, like, organizers who when the time strikes and the motive is there or the like for for bso icp was a big motivating force like to get a thing together to go down there and play but like there's a lot uh, the the quickness with which the the pan scene can come together and do something of note of worth is floors me like pan the pan is sweet competition Right, that happened. That happens at Roulette every year. The first year, I was asked to be a judge, and I was like, "Okay, you know, like I'm happy to." And and I, I know all these bands, and I didn't. I had zero idea what to expect. I, I'm somebody who uh, spends a lot of time in concert halls, at venues, putting on shows, like presenting things. And Roulette is a new music. It's a it's a classical music venue, and so I expected to walk in and see like 15 people and a dog in that venue and watch that because that's that's who comes to see my shows, you know. It was packed, Travis. Like, you did, like, there was Facebook advertising. That's it. That's yeah. it. And it was packed. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. All right. Like, the power is here in this community. Like, this is clearly a community that doesn't need to be told that live music is important.
2: <laughs> and they should go <laughs> see
0: it. And so, like, I, I, I again, like, I, I, your work with BSO, your work with Kasim, it's not lost on me how... You know, it's not it's not a mystery you know, why people come to you, Travis, for <laughs> for for organizing forces because you do have a way with you know I've never seen you I'm sure I've, I've 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 not been around you long enough, but I you always have a smile. You always seem to sort of deal with things and
2: and you make smile.
0: and make it work. And I, I just I I wanna highlight that. I want people to see that. And I want there's, there's young students out there right now within the Cassom family, I'm sure, who want to do what you're doing. And they have no idea and they're with you every day, you know? So, uh, (laughs) you know, do you have any advice for them? What's your advice for a young kid coming up who sees you and is like, you know, Kendall came to me once at NYU and said, I want to do what you're doing. And I was like, Oh my God, like, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, bro. I barely can do what I'm doing. Like what, what advice do you have for for a young kid who's, who sees you and is like, Oh my God, that's my dream. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) All right, one more time. One more time from the top, Travis. A little more inspiration this time.
1: <laughs> um, if you have a passion for something, you just got to stick with it and just go for it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it because a lot of people always like doubt themselves. And that's, that's the problem. Well, as human beings, we we are limited. We We, we basically doubt ourselves or listen to other mm. people who have not. Done what you what you're trying to do, you know. what I'm saying people always tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that. But yet you look at them, they ain't doing it. They never did it. So why you you don't know? You mm-hmm. just gotta just basically go for it. I always say like just do it, and then you know it will happen. You, you have to be you 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 your own person writing your own story. Mm-hmm. So you just gotta go for it, do it, and see how successful it is. Like, um, personally, I have not been really working for the last three years since I got laid off from my job three years ago. And I say, you know what, Travis, let, let me um do what I love. And I try to do everything pan. As you know, I make pan sticks. Mm-hmm. I make pan t-shirts. <laughs> I um, I perform at a lot of different gigs. I teach. I teach. Um, one-on-one, and I also teach with Cassim
2: mm-hmm.
1: And that's how I've been making my living for the last three years. And I just say, focus on something that you love to do. And pan And everybody, like, why don't you go back to a regular job? And I'm like, for what? I don't like it. I'm I'm not, you know, it's, a, it's. I'm making money there, but I'm not happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got you to gotta do stuff in life that makes you happy. All the amount of money in the world will not make you happy. I rather make money that I could pay my bills and 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 do stuff that make me happy, and at the end of the day, is you have to make yourself happy, not no one else.
0: One of the Sorry. things, one of the things I've noticed in the pan world, and that is that is exactly the same in the new music world, is exactly the same in the tech world, or gardening, or accountant counting. That there are basically two types of people. There are, you know, this is a broad brush to paint with, but there's there's people who Make a plan and go for it, and right. then there are people who just who point out all the all of the things that are wrong with that plan,
2: right? You know,
0: and and I say that I'm not criticizing the pan community because I'm saying that that that's that's just a human thing. Everybody, everybody yeah. does that, but I it. think in the pan community, there's no shortage of people pointing out where things are wrong, but right. there's a huge yeah. shortage of people actually plugging those holes. And you are one of the people, Travis, who plugs those holes. Um, you know, I'm sure you have more successful days than others in plugging those holes. But I will say, um, I admire that about you, and I'm grateful that I'm grateful you're in my life. I'm, I, you know, I, I lament these times when we're stuck inside and we can't get together and have a rum and coke and just sort of, you know, talk about digging into your roles in the lead line. Like those are the things that I would love to be yelling at people about right now, but unfortunately. We can't. So, um, but until until we can do that, Travis, I I hope you stay safe and stay healthy. I hope your leg, your foot, gets better sooner than later, so you can be up and at him again. But uh, do you have any final words before we wrap up?
1: Um,
0: or where well, folks, yeah. war folks, can find you?
1: Sure, sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at um, Travis Roberts on the pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or Davinci because that's my um, thing. If I meet Davinci and Instagram also,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you could also so Travis Travis Roberts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, where where am I? Oh, you could find me. I have YouTube videos on Travis Roberts, so, and uh, I I make um, videos all the time and just to you know just to play around, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: but. Yeah, I mean one last thing I would like to say is like I um this is what I do. I love playing pants since I got hooked since I was ten. <laughs> and this is what I'm intend to do for the rest of my life is play instruments, manage, um make sticks, do all things just to uh, improve um the betterment of this community, this um this our culture. It's like when you're playing PAN, you know, it's like you forget you could have um, a million things going on with you. And once you start playing, whoop, all going out the window. Yeah, all the worries.
0: I think, right, you know, if, if I want to die, I want to breathe my last breath just pan. just sitting in front of a panorama band. You know, like Uh, with my arm yeah. playing pan too, like any any just being in a pan yard, like I don't even need to be playing necessarily. There's just something about, you know, being in a in an enclosed space, sort of like you're trapped. You know, it's like being on an airplane a little bit like you're sort of like, well, these are my people now, you know, and there's there's something (laughs) about being in Kassim's yard, um, being in in Skiffle's yard where I've never felt safer. Like I've never felt safer physically. I've never felt safer emotionally, musically. Like it's not that it's not dangerous. It's not like there's not, (laughs) there's not physically dangerous. And it's not that there's not any musical danger anywhere. Like, It's just that – I don't know how to explain it, Travis. It's just a weird feeling and I think when I –
1: I know how you feel. Trust me. I know how you feel.
0: When I breathe my last breath, I want them to wheel my my little bed and just push me in front of the lead line, put my iPad on my chest and I will just happily go, go, go into the ether. Um, Well, on that incredibly dark note, Travis, uh, I apologize. (laughs) But it's true. It's dark but true. Uh, Travis, I'll let you go. This has been really, really fun. Please, uh, please uh, recover quickly so we can get you back out on the streets. And um, and and I hope to cross paths with you again soon.
1: Of course, thank you.
0: All righty, Travis. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Take it easy. No problem. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. See ya. All right. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum. Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, My good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check him out, liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Ypans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on uh, in so percussion, as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, He's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, want to learn more about the goings on uh, in pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check them out. And finally, Alejandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan centric. You can check him out at Mango Chow, C-H-O-W clothing dot com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out. Mango Chow Clothing dot com. OK, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.